Hedges. I'm pastor here. If you are a guest, I am so glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, Before we get into the preaching, though, we're going to take a moment. I'm going to invite our treasurer, Lance Yoder, up. He has been faithful on our board of directors for many years, and he's going to give a brief uh, financial update. This morning, we're going to be focusing on stewardship. And uh, this song, as a matter of fact, that we just sang, which Ron had no idea how special this song is, uh, many years ago, um, when I was a baby Christian, I was sitting in a volleyball devotion. Shout out to all of you in the volleyball league this year. And, uh, and I was in a volleyball devotion, and a guy named Herb Newton opened up the Bible. He'd been laid off from his job. And uh, he says, guys, I, I haven't, I've been working at this company for, I don't remember how many years, uh, over a decade, probably a couple decades, a long time. Natkin was the name of the company. He'd been working there. He says, I just got laid off, um, and I don't know what my next move is. And he goes, but uh, me and my family haven't had a good vacation, so we're going to take a vacation. And he goes, I just thought I would open up this hymn and read it. And, and then we read, "Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, and then we sang it. And it rocked my world at that time. I mean, I'm like, I had never seen anybody just trust the Lord like that. Like, if I was out of a job at that time with a family, I would have been freaking out. I would have been like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And uh, into that story, um, number one, I, I told her about what an impact that made years later. He says, I don't even remember that. I'm like, that was of the Lord, brother. It's the little things you do. But that guy went on to get a job at another company. That other company ended up being the place I got a job later. And God used that. That, that, that song really reminds me of how God provides in really just incredible ways. And his faith, that man's faith, to just trust the Lord. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus. And, man, just trust the Lord. And God provided. And in his faith, provided for me later on down the road. So it's really cool. So I just want to share that story because... Uh, this is a church that walks by faith, and God has been faithful to us, and we want to continue to be faithful to him. With that, thank you for faithful men like Lance Yoder. Let's have Lance come up. He's, give him some love as he comes and gives us an update on our finances. Sorry about that. So um, I won't go back to the very, very beginning, but uh, hopefully you heard I asked you to turn to Romans 6. But our agenda today is to look at 2023 quickly and then uh, what is coming in 2024. And if you want super more details on this, you can come back tonight and hear more. I'm sure you'll all be here. Uh, just kidding. Um, so Romans 6, let's, uh, let's look at that real quickly. And I, if you didn't hear me say at the beginning, like, why are we turning here? This is a financial update. But, guys, finances, uh, if we talk about finances, whether personally or organizationally, it really is a spiritual issue at its core. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about finances, and uh, I'm just going to show you something real quick here, and then we'll get to our financial update, and we'll be on with our day. Uh, Romans 6.23, you're all familiar with it. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul uses something that's physical that we could relate to, a wage, what somebody pays you for something. And Paul, to help us understand our spiritual state, and it says the wages of sin is death. So the payment for your sin, apart from Jesus, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I don't need to explain every word of that verse to you, but just to orient you, like Paul is using something physical that we could relate to, to uh, around wages to help us understand our spiritual condition. If you flip ahead to Romans 12, 
And my slide here, it says, ponder the words. That's real deep, I know. But uh, uh, really, it's more just a talking point for me. But uh, Romans 12:1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So here Paul is now talking to a person who is saved. Um, and your body is a living sacrifice. And what that means, everything that you do with your body. And what do you do probably the most, what is the, from the age of 18 to like the age of 65, 70, the waking hours uh, that you have, if you're a working man or a woman, what is it that you spend the most time at when you're awake? Your job. You add up all the hours, uh, it's your job. So our job is supposed to be a living sacrifice. It says our bodies. So that's not just part of our body. That's all of our body. So how do you what do you how do you view your job both as a place to witness and how do you view your job as a place you know you earn a wage and uh, you know a living sacrifice can you can, are you willing to give some of that back to God and this this my my talk is not about giving it's not about uh it's not about tithing and and all that you should cover all of that and discipleship but really I want to orient our mind to uh, finances are not it's not just a physical thing it really is. It speaks to the spiritual heart of an organization, and it speaks to the spiritual heart of you as the believer on how you view that. So anyway, let's get on. Let's get on with the with the update. So uh, 2023 in review, uh, we budgeted $410,000 in uh, in 2023, which was a little over a three percent increase over the previous year, and our total giving, praise the Lord, came in at over 450,000, and it came in a little higher than that in 2022. Um, but the good news about 23 is we were very steady just in terms of coming close to meeting or exceeding our weekly amount and monthly amount given uh, that we had we had budgeted for. So thank you for your faithfulness there. It makes it much easier to plan as a board when we don't have a month where things just like fell off a cliff and we're like, okay, what are what are we doing here? Our cash flow is really not good. Um, your consistent pattern of giving matter, matters a lot. Um, and then we had some gifts come in at the end of the year, which kind of traditionally does happen to put us over over that amount. So we're very, very thankful for that. 13% of our regular giving goes toward missionaries. The rest of the budget is ministry, facilities, administration. Um, we had some things get done this year in terms of physically that you could see, the carpet and the flooring. Uh, praise the Lord for that. The deck out on the modulars, if you have to go out there and use that, probably, you probably feel a lot more stable uh, walking on that deck out there now than the one that was there previously. Uh, we were in a position where we could take some of our savings and we put them into uh, CDs, certificates of deposit. So you know, no risk. We're not we're not a we're not getting into taking our money and and turning it into an investment arm. But with the interest rates the way they are today, we can take some of our savings, put them into certificates of deposit. They mature, and you know, we'd we'd be able to uh, when those mature, we'd be able to to get. Roughly five thousand uh, dollars in interest on those, and if for some reason we needed to access that money, we get all the principal back. We would just lose the interest, and our building loan is now below one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Where if our current uh, rate of payment, uh, we would be done in twenty twenty seven. So if some, if you're burdened to help us just wipe that off, uh, <laughs> those are always those are always welcome. Uh, next slide. We'll go to twenty twenty four. Uh, we've budgeted $454,000, um, and, and the categories there are where that money is going. You can you can read that. 
And how do how do we arrive? How do we get to that number? Like how do we, like individually and as a church, how do we get to that 454 number? Uh, we have 243 adult members here, and those are there's other people that give, but we really count the adult members as the ones that would give. And uh, we have 137 giving units, which was a term that the previous treasurer, Gwaine uh, Arnie, used, and it was very descriptive. So, I mean, there's a lot of folks that are married, so we consider husband and wife team to be one giving unit because they, they're usually just giving uh, between the two of them. Uh, the Cass County median income, uh, household income, is $82,000. And some of you will be sitting here like, well, I wish my household income was 82. And others, you'd be like panicked if, that, if your household income was 82000 and the per, if you look at it per capita, uh, that means basically per working age person in uh, Cass County, uh, the, the income is 38.7. And again, depending upon where you are in life, you're like, yeah, that's pretty close to me, or man, I'd panic if I had to make it on that, or I wish I had that much. Go ahead and next slide. So this, this gets to kind of where some of the math works. So if we were tithing on our per capita income for our giving unit, so if each giving unit made $38,700 a year, and they were giving 10%, we'd have a budget at north of $500,000. Um, and if we were, if we had the household income, I mean, I don't know if that's, we know, maybe the, the, in this church the household income is not 82000 but if we had out household income at a median of 82.7, um, tithing on that, we, have a, we would be able to have a budget north of a million dollars. I'm not putting this out there like, oh, yeah, it'd be great if we had more money. I mean, but what could we do for God? Uh, with additional funds. And hopefully you can identify yourself somewhere in there and just, you know, be looking at, just be looking at uh, uh, what, where am I, you know, what is my, uh, what is my spiritual state in terms of my finances? Um, like for everything that we do here in life, uh, we'll sit uh, at the, at the uh, judgment seat of Christ and you're going to uh, answer for the time that you spent and the things that you did and how you stewarded your money is another one of those things. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just like, I mean, this is this is the reality. Like, some people think, well, my finances are this totally separate thing that God doesn't need to have any input on. Like, read your Bible, okay? God has a lot to say about that. But next slide. Um, if you'd like more information uh, on our finances, we'll go into some of our processes and things that uh, we spend money on, how we make decisions as a board, uh, you could come back for more of this scintillating discussion uh, this evening. Uh, but but it, otherwise, if you have questions, uh, you can always bring them up to me. Uh, I would ask, like, if you have a complaint, you think we're doing something wrong, come to me and tell me that. Like, don't go harass Luke or Brianna or whatever. Like, they, it's not, like, just come talk to me if you have some qualm about uh, something that we're doing. And I'd be more than happy to address that. So that was it for today. Hope that's helpful. Uh, Come back tonight if you want more, or if you don't want to come back tonight, I get it. Uh, You can always follow up with me later. But thank you very much. Thanks, Lance. We're blessed to have Lance as our our treasurer. He's a good man. He needs to be preaching, doesn't he? He's ready to... I don't need to be doing the stewardship update. Uh, Preaching, he does. That's good. good. Thank you, Lance. And we really are thankful for the Lord's provision. He has provided uh, graciously for his church, and, uh, and he does that through the giving, uh, the gifts that God allows us to give back to him. And so we're thankful for the opportunity. So <clears throat> I have on my calendar today to do a, uh, 
stewardship message, uh, but the way God has everything lined out, really that's the whole theme of our of our year this year. I mean, really is is investing and in purchasing the field and really being, uh, of course, diligent is what we want to continue in diligence, but grow in faithfulness. And and that's just our time, our talent, and our treasure. So if you have your Bibles, we turn to the book of Jeremiah 32. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you're joining us. And uh, tonight, as Lance said, at 6 o'clock p.m., uh, we will do two things. We're going to have the financial, you know, the, the long form of what you just heard from Lance. And also, I will complete uh, what I'm going to start this morning. And so I don't often do that, but I, I think today is the, in this, in the context and everything, it's the right time. So I'm going to give you a portion of what's in your notes. And if you want to get the conclusion, you're either going to have to be here tonight uh, or you're going to have to watch online and pick it up. Uh, and then next week we'll be back on track with uh, our uh, our series in Exodus. So if you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 32 is God. <clears throat> uh, I said Exodus, Jeremiah 32, Jeremiah 32, page 1056. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can grab one from the seat rack in front of you and turn to page 1056. Jeremiah 32. And so as God would have it today uh, was our, our previously scheduled weekend to address stewardship uh, again, which I like to do annually. And I had plans to, to have a special message today, uh, but because of our text and because of where we're going uh, and where we're going to be next week, I think now is the time to just continue in this message and pick up where we left off. At HBF in 2024, uh, we want to continue in diligence to grow uh, and, and I'm sorry, we want to continue in diligence and grow in faithfulness in 2024. And one of the ways that God grows us in faithfulness is to grow us in our stewardship. So when we talk about stewardship, it's not just a matter of money, as Lance said, or finance. It's, it's the stewardship of our lives and the opportunity that God affords us. It's uh, often corn, uh, quantified, I'm sorry, as time, talent, and treasure that God entrusts to us. And that's exactly where uh, we are in the account of Jeremiah chapter 32. <clears throat> uh, in a time when it seemed uh, like investing financially in property and around Jerusalem was fruitless, God commanded Jeremiah while he was imprisoned in King Zedekiah's prison to purchase his uncle's property. And we see, <clears throat> we saw, I should say last week, that Jeremiah was faithful to proclaim God's word. But today we're going to see how Jeremiah was faithful uh, a faithful claimer of God's promises as he invested in God's field. And so <clears throat> he was a good proclaimer of God's word, but he was also a good investor. So if you have your Bible, let's just pick up the text where we left off. Jeremiah 32, this morning we're going to start in verse 6. Jeremiah 32 and verse 6, and we're going to read down through verse 12. Jeremiah says in verse 6, And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. And Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, Buy my field, I pray thee, that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is thine. And the redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. And I bought the field of Hanamiel, my uncle's son, that was in Anathoth, and weighed the money, even 17 shekels of silver. And I subscribed the evidence and sealed it and took witnesses and weighed him the money in the, in the balances. 
So I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open. And I gave the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, the son, or in the sight of Hanamiel, my uncle's son, in the presence of the witnesses that subscribed the book of the purchase before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning and we consider what we've just seen, this investment, this man who, while in prison, purchased a field that was occupied uh, by Nebuchadnezzar's forces, Lord. I pray, God, that you would help us just see the investment and the struggle that is going on in the world that we live in today. Heavenly Father, you have purchased the hearts of this world, and yet they're contested by the the world, the flesh, and the devil. Lord, we are, uh, like Jeremiah, we are a liberating force, uh, Lord, by faith, to go forth and claim that which you've already Purchased, Lord, thank you for giving us the resources through the gospel and the authority uh, to go as ambassadors for Christ and, and give the terms of peace to all those that will receive it. Lord, I thank you for being victorious. I thank you for giving us a victorious attitude and mindset. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would use that for your honor and glory, that with meekness and humility, we would continue to exhort and convince people uh, through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to trust you as Lord and Savior, that we'd make disciples that reproduce the word of God and the, and the image of Christ and others, and that, Lord, your word would be magnified, your truth would be magnified in a world of lies. Lord, we thank you so much for giving us the absolute rock-solid truth of your word. We thank you for confirming it and, and recording it, as you did with Baruch, in the words of God, so we have record and witness of your words. I pray, God, that we would be great investors of the truth that you've given us, that we would take the things you've given us and steward them in a way that would bring honor and glory to you. We thank you now and we praise you for the opportunity to invest in eternal things. We ask now that you just teach us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Excuse me, I'm having a little problem this morning. I'm over... Actually, can you get get me a Ricola in my office? Um... Last week, we saw Jeremiah the priest, and the prophet was faithful uh, proclaimer of God's word. And he, and he was faithful to proclaim God's word regardless of the circumstances and consequences. So your first point of study this morning is, is what we saw last week, I should say. In 2024, 20, be a faithful proclaimer of God's word. That's where it starts. We don't back up from that. We've got to proclaim God's word, faithfully proclaim God's word, uh, regardless of the circumstances, and faithfully proclaim God's word regardless of the consequences. That is the kind of man Jeremiah was. It didn't matter what was going on. He was going to say what was was true. That's why he was in jail, right? Because he was saying things the king didn't want to hear, but they were the truth nonetheless. So as we approach the subject of stewardship this morning, stewardship of the words of God and the souls of men trump all the other things because both are precious to God. There's nothing more precious than his word and the souls of men and women. And so that is the thing that we have to be concerned about. And so Jeremiah would not compromise proclaiming God's words, and it grieved him so much that Israel would not heed God's commands that he would, uh, that, uh, he would face any consequence required to maintain faithfulness to God's words and God's people. So in a type, Jeremiah is like Christ in that he suffered for doing the right thing for the people who would not receive his message, though they knew his words were true. There's no doubt they knew his words were true. They just did not want to receive what he had to say. Jesus was much the same way. So God's words are worthy to be shared regardless of the response because God is worthy. And uh, thank you. And so God is worthy. And so uh, his words are worthy to be shared, and and, uh, he wants to get them where they need to go on time, which is in the hearts and minds of those that need to hear him. 
which is every man. So in Jeremiah 32, 7, Jeremiah sends uh, Hanamiel, whose name means whom God graciously gave, to represent Jeremiah's uncle Shalom, uh, whose uh, name is translated retribution by all the, the linguists I looked up. And there, is one who, uh, there was one who said his name is derived from Shalom, meaning peace. So either way you cut it, Jeremiah, whose name means Jehovah has appointed, is, rec- is receiving God's grace to purchase a, a peace or retribution uh, from his uncle. So prophetically, Jesus purchased our peace, and, and we preach the gospel so people don't have to face the just wrath of God. Even the names are divine and important in the word of God. When you look at these names, it's incredible. So, beloved, our stewardship of God's word and ministry uh, to God's people is the most important thing that we can focus on in the days in which we live. That's why it's part of what the vision is for 2024. When we talk about the Great Commission, we really are talking about stewarding God's word and getting it into the souls of men. That is the greatest responsibility and opportunity that we have. The Lord and his words have and will continue to be attacked. And we, like Jeremiah, need to be faithful to proclaim uh, and invest God's word in the souls of men in every way, preaching, uh, teaching, obviously in the church, but also getting it out to the community, also publishing the word of God literally and physically in the ministry. So we saw last year, or last week I should say rather, that uh, to be a faithful proclaimer of God's word. And so today we're going to look at second point, which is to be a faithful investor. Tonight we'll look at the third point. So in the time we have remaining in verses 6 through 25, we've already read verses 6 through 12, we see that we need to invest where God commands us to invest. And that's exactly what, uh, what Jeremiah did. In verse 8, it says, So Hanamiel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, By my field, I pray thee, that is in Anthoth. Now, we know that, that the Lord had given Jeremiah a heads up, but he used this to confirm to Jeremiah what he was doing, right? Because later on, uh, Jeremiah says that, uh, he realized that, okay, this is of the Lord because the Lord uh, brought it to pass because God brings his word to pass. So one of the things you can bet on, right? So we're, we're in this adopt-a-street uh, process this year, and we normally take it to the streets anyway, so it's hand-in-glove with what we're already doing. Well, you can bet then, as you go out, you may not know where or, or, or who, but God has people in the field that he wants us to, that he's already paid for, and he just wants us to claim them. And, uh, and that's it. And you've got to go out by faith. And when you see him, you'll know it. I just heard a story this week. Somebody's out doing what they do. They're, may, they're having discipleship with somebody. Someone gets saved. Why? Because they're in the field doing what God does. Right? You've got to get out in the field and purchase, or really redeem what God's already purchased. And so... Uh, he took evidence of this purchase, and he and he records it. Because it wasn't just enough for Jeremiah to know this is of the Lord. Everybody's got to know. Everybody's got to have it recorded, right? Just like you got to have it recorded. When there's something important that goes on, uh, you record it. This weekend, the Bonsons had a had a, a grandbaby. You know what they did with that little girl? They They have a birth certificate. They're getting that birth certificate ready, right? Because when somebody's born, we have a certificate. When we've been purchased, we got a certificate. It's recorded in his word, hallelujah, that we are born again, right? We have the evidence in the Bible. Those who call upon the name of the Lord are saved. Where do I know that from? From the atmosphere? No, it's recorded in the word of God. It's, it's recorded and it's sealed in God's word and it's sealed in my soul. And the Holy Ghost confirms that and teaches us all things whatsoever he has said to us. But he said, by my field, I pray they, that is in uh, Anathoth. So God tells Jeremiah to invest resources in an in inopportune location. 
Anathoth was located about three miles north of Jerusalem, and it was the birthplace of Jeremiah. So he's going back, right? We know a prophet's without honor in his own country. He's going back home to purchase his own city. It's about three, three miles north of Jerusalem. And the purchase of this field is bittersweet because this land was given to the Levites upon entering the promised land in Joshua 21:18, and had been continually occupied by Aaron's seed ever since. Unfortunately, Jeremiah's preaching and prophecies were not popular among his relatives. In a similar manner, Jesus would say to his relatives in the north of Jerusalem, up in Galilee, that a prophet is without honor in his own country. And so this was certainly the case for Jeremiah as well. Jeremiah 11 speaks to the harsh threats that Jeremiah received from his religious priestly relatives in his own hometown of Anathoth. In Jeremiah 11, verse 21, the Bible says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, the men of Anathoth that seek thy life, saying, Prophesy not in the name of the Lord, that thou die not by our hand. It's not that God's going to kill you. We're going to kill you. Don't use his name and prophesy. We're going to kill you. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts. This is what God says about that. Behold, I'll punish them. The young men shall die by the sword. Their sons and their daughters shall die by famine. And there shall be no remnant of them. For I will bring evil upon the men of Anathoth, even the year of their visitation. Pretty tough judgment. So this is the property in which Jeremiah is buying. Someone is faithful, and God's going to allow the faithful man to, to, to purchase it. In Jeremiah twenty nine twenty four, the Bible says that uh, uh, Shemaiah, the, the false prophet, tries to write letters from Babylon captivity to overthrow the authority of the high priest and Jeremiah as well. And we know from Nehemiah seven twenty seven and Ezra two twenty three that only 128 men returned from the captivity to repopulate the city. And, of course, they also faced a harsh judgment later on when um, Antiochus Epiphanes came in. So those guys were also judged harshly then. The last person <clears throat> the locals wanted owning property in Anathoth was Jan- Jeremiah. <clears throat> Nonetheless, God ordered it and provided the means for Jeremiah to pay it. And the story reminds me a little of some of the trouble our dear brother Mike Renault's having up in Boston, right? He's up there just trying to eke out a work. And who's, who's hindering it? Well, it's not the world. It's the brothers. The brothers say, oh, well, wait a minute. You can't believe the Bible and meet in this church. You cannot believe in the inerrancy of Scripture in English and, be, and, and meet in this building. And so now he's homeless. He's meeting this morning. They're meeting in his house, right, until they can find a place to rent. For probably seven thousand a month, so it's a lot of money up there. Yeah, for a small group of people, that's a lot. So God has has, has called him to purchase the field in Boston, and uh, he's just going to have to be like Jeremiah in the difficulty until God gives him the property. Maybe God will give him Ruggles Baptist someday. Wouldn't that be something? You never know. So God tells us to invest <clears throat> the Word of God and the souls of men until He comes. That's what we, in, I'm sorry. He tells us to invest in the Word of God and the souls of men. Until he comes in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 23, the Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. Right. Give it away. Right. Do what it takes to, to purchase it, but then give it away. Give away the truth. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the world. Amen. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Witnesses are what we're talking about in this text. Uh, the same commit thou to 
faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. This purchase is going to be recorded before witnesses so people can remember it, including us today who have been given this text and this account so we can look at it and see God's work in the world at this time in history and also look forward to the fact that we know that God will fulfill his word in prophecy. So HBF exists to give us a practical way to invest the word of God in the souls of men. So let me just take some time and and talk practically to you about that. The first thing I would encourage you to consider this morning as far as stewardship and what exists here at HBF is just practically, how are you investing the word of God in the souls of men? Well, one of the things you got to think about is how has it been invested in you, right? Uh, Somehow, Jeremiah had to have the resources to purchase that property, and he, he already had those. He had collected those. And so the word of God is something that you... You have to you have to put some effort into right. You want to if you want to buy a home, you got to purchase it. You got to work for it. Well, if you want to know God's word, you got to work for it. I don't mean you got to work for your salvation. Salvation's free, but you're saved unto good works, right? So the first thing you do is you just learn about it, and then you go put it to work. That's why our discipleship too is about the word and the work, because it's, it's actually assimilating what you learn and then being able to apply it practically in our lives so that people's lives can be changed. So where are you at in our discipleship process at HBF? I I talked a few weeks ago about that in some more detail, but D1 and D2 and HBI. And then our ministry opportunities. If you're looking to invest, right, I would encourage you to invest in discipleship. I would encourage you to uh, I was going to have you stand up. I'm not going to do that. But I bet I bet a lot of you have been through our Discipleship One, which is a simple Bible study, 16 weeks or 16 lessons. It's not usually 16 weeks, but 16 lessons, simple. They're not meant to be difficult. It's really meant to be simple. But it just lays the foundational principles of the doctrines in the Bible, just so we know what the Bible says. And there's also the caveat that we're of one mind and one accord. If you want to have an environment where God can do something, you've got to have people on the same page and you've got to be in agreement about what the Word of God says, right? And this isn't like every nuance of the Bible. These are just the fundamental things of the Word of God, the basics, right? That These are the foundational principles. And so that's where we start. And then that opens the door to some things. Outside of service ministry, it opens the door to teaching ministry. Some of you all are gifted teachers and you need to be teaching. And so you say, well, I already know all that stuff. Well, great. We'll sit down and go through those that, that series, get to know another couple, and then we'll release you to teach it, right? Because we need as many people teaching God's Word as possible. And uh, that would be great. And it will also show a, a humility on your part and a willingness to learn, which is also super important for disciples that are reproducing other people. I was just in the, in the ABF this morning. We were talking about that with Paul. Paul was a very humble servant. Right. And as as great as Paul was, he needed we. Right. It wasn't just me. It was we. Right. So we have to work together. And so when we come around God's word and we agree on what it says, it opens up a Philadelphian relationship, a partnership around the word of God, which is what really opens the door and gets this mission where it needs to go. And so it's important uh, that you get involved in D1. And if you're not if you're already through D1, maybe you need to be teaching D1. Maybe you need to get in the how to disciple class coming up. Uh, or maybe you need to go to D2 class, right, which is now uh, you can fast track it, get it done in nine months, or you can uh, slow track it and get it done in two years, whichever course you want to take, and uh, and you can do that, and it'll be rotating around every fall. And then you got HBI, and some of you need to be in HBI, and some of you guys are fast tracking to that, I know, praise the Lord, and uh, some of you are probably like I was, a little reluctant because you take it so serious. Like I was like, I don't want to do it, the, the institute because when I signed up, I knew I was going. God had already called me before I ever got into classes. 
And I knew it. And I wouldn't tell nobody because I was scared to death. Right? And so it shook me way out of my comfort zone. But once I finally signed on the dotted line and said, okay, I'm going, there was no turning back for me. Now, I don't think everybody else knew that, but in my heart I already knew. And, man, if you're out there, I'm calling you. You need to get into HBI. And if you need to visit with me or your ABF pastor to kind of get some encouragement or some direction, I will help you with that because I understand if you're that serious about it, uh, I understand. Count the cost before you go to war. But we need people that are, are really committed to go anywhere God wants them to go. And uh, believe me, i got places I could send you right now. So anyway, um, and so our ministry opportunities here, Just let, let me just back off of that because I kind of just like freaked some people out. All right? Like, Brian, I just came here to go to church. I mean, I don't even want to do any of that stuff. Okay, relax. Like, I'm still checking you out. I'm not even sure you guys are for real. I got you. I used to be that guy too. All right, so, so just relax for a minute. And let me just share some other cool things that, that you could invest in this year. And that's just the normal ministry opportunities that we have here. We have adult athletics. I mean, I think volleyball's fun. I don't know. I had fun last week. Phil? Where's Phil? Is Phil in here? He's got so mad he never came to church. He's probably over. I don't want to rub it in. So anyway, we had fun this weekend. So there's adult athletics. There's children's ministry. There's outreach opportunities, um, the harvest part. We still need folks in the children's ministry. That's like perpetual. But we don't just need folks like to fill in. We need people like with a heart to see the potential in all these wonderful kids that God has blessed us with. That's, by the way, also part of discipleship. If you can't appreciate children, I don't care if you have children or not. Listen, Jesus told Peter, feed the lambs, right, before you go feeding the sheep. Go feed the lambs. If you want to learn how to feed sheep, do you think you've got a future in feeding sheep? Well, you better get over there and start feeding some lambs. And by the way, if you've already been there and bought the T-shirt, I've done all that. Okay, good. Well, we still need your help then, your experience. Come on over. We need your help. You know, you never get too old. That's one of the things I liked about the man who led me to Christ, him and his wife. They never quit doing that stuff. They kept investing, and that's so good. And I tell you what, eternity will, will, will uh, have a lot of results because of that. Uh, and there's opportunities to outreach, it, it, just fun stuff like harvest party will be in the fall, church in the park this spring. We're doing this adopt the street. You don't even you don't have to be a, you can just be showing up here and like, hey, I want to do something. Well, go with it to adopt the street. I mean, just we'll go out and meet neighbors and get to know people. We'll take you. Go to an I go meeting with Pat. Uh, you know, you can show up to that. Go to a prayer meeting. We got a prayer meeting in Boston. Where's Brady? Is Brady in here? Brady will take you today, right? You, you're having a prayer meeting for Boston, right? So you say, I just want to do something. Okay, get with Brady, meet in the library. You don't even have to pray. You can just sit around and he can talk a little bit about what's going on with Mike Renault in Boston, and then we can pray. And you can just sit there if you want to. But you can get involved now. All right? You can start investing now, and, uh, and God will bless that. Uh, oh, by the way, this spring, we'll have a meeting in February uh, on the Christ Soccer Academy. We're going to need to load up again with all the coaches, the refs, the whole thing again. And so I'll be inviting you all to come to that meeting as well. It'll be a quick information meeting just to kind of get some idea of how many people are interested. So be praying about that because I really, it doesn't matter where you are in that role either here at the church, whether you're, you know, you just rolled in the door or you're an HBI, we can use everybody in that kind of a ministry. And so it's fun, isn't it, Cammie? So she's like, not really. But anyway, so uh, we're forming teams now. <laughs> now it's going to be even hotter this year because we're playing in June. But we're going we're gonna to form teams now to go out to adopt a street, and I'm excited about the opportunities to invest in that. 
as we go to our own community and uh, and our church family represents a certain uh, neighborhoods here in the community you can see pat lee and uh, jeremy bonison and, and pam jackson they can get you connected and directed there's more information in the foyer right now about that and you can invest in uh, all kinds of fun stuff um uh, you know that that's going on around here there's bible studies and and things like that as well um and so this coming easter is something else that we can be praying about we're going to go this this year we're going to have another uh sunrise service like we did a few years ago so we can start praying right now for the weather that that works out like it did a few years ago and then we can start inviting people and letting them know people that might not be churched or maybe go to church once a year or what have you uh, man, that's going to be a great time. So we'll have our sunrise service. We'll have the Easter egg hunt. We'll do all of that stuff, uh, and we'll have breakfast and all of that. So that'll be a great time. So those are things that you and I can invest in, and we can start planning and praying for that now. Because if you don't have a plan, you're not going to execute. And if you're if you're not excited about it, it's not going to resonate. And these are these are cool things that God's doing. And and uh, if you are a member of HBF, and the many of things, and there's a lot of things that we plan um, and do. Uh, I'm sorry, if you're a member of HBF, the many things that we plan and do are not just for you. So this is what I would encourage the the HBF people to think about. And this kind of, I get it when you're young in the Lord, but this is, as I'm talking about this, this is really the challenge that that a lot of people have in a church like ours. And and there's all kinds of people in different places. Oftentimes when you come to church, uh, if you're new in the Lord or you're new to this church, you kind of in, in our culture, and it's not a, it's not Heartland, it's just American culture. Pretty much, you shop for churches, and you kind of look for the church that meets your needs, right? And I feel comfortable here, and you got those certain relationships, and all that's good. Um, there's nothing wrong with any of that, by the way. That's great. But at the end of the day, if you're going to hang around here very long, I'm going to just tell you up front, so you don't have to find it out later. I'm going to ask you at some point to quit shopping and start buying because it really is not about you. Sorry to tell you that. I mean, when I first got saved and I first started going to church, I felt like it was all about me because the people were so good to me and so gracious to me. And then I started learning the word of God. And you you know what I noticed? They were kind of like that with everybody that came in. They loved everybody. I wasn't that special. And you know what? That's that's challenging. Because then you got to decide. Well, why why am I really hanging around here? I really like the preaching. I like the preaching. Yeah, that's good. But I can listen to that on the internet. So, well, maybe actually. But anyway, so really, what is it? Well, it's God taking us somewhere. Because God actually is calling you to find out how you fit in the body. So that you can you can be investing in others, and that you don't have to be up here preaching. I'm not saying that at all. And as much as I really want you in the E wing, you may not even have to be in the E wing. All right, it may be doing some service activity. It could be mowing. The, I mean, like Don Van, that guy has been a huge blessing to our body. God brought him to mow the lawn. For goodness' sake, that guy is amazing. I mean, God. There are people that God brings to the body, and some people just know this is what God's put me here for. And other people, you got to like me, you kind of got to work through it. But it starts with just kind of assessing, you know what, God's invested in me, and he's actually put me in an environment where I am going to be expected to invest in others also. Like we're really going to try to live out the Great Commission around here. Like we're not just going to talk about it. So I put up the the, the, uh, the mission teams. You know, it was a, 
or the mission trips this year. I mean, if, if that is what we have to charge hell with, it's a squirt gun with one squirt. I mean, we, we need, we, we need more people, honestly, that are like, hey, Brian, I, I will go. I'll, I'll take a week out of my life and go, and go support a missionary somewhere. Um, and so those are things we got to grow in as a church body. It's less of, it's, 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 it's more Jesus, right? As, as John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. And by the way, didn't we just, didn't we just have a pastor stand up here and kind of give the living example of that a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. The most capable man in the building says, Hey, I got to decrease so this thing can increase. Because my flesh is not what it used to. It's not my body's not working like it used to. Man, what a humility, servant, putting others ahead of themselves. Guys, that's that's what it takes to advance the ball. And I'm telling you guys, I'm just you just know this like I know it. This world is thirsting for that. We don't need a bunch of you know. Every time someone scores a, remember the old days people could score a touchdown and just be here's the ball. Thank you. It's my reasonable service, right? That's it's just our reasonable service. We don't have to beat our chest and look at the camera and tell everybody how awesome our and jack up our, our you know mm, flex for everybody. No, let Jesus flex, man. Jesus is the flexer. We're just the service. We're lucky to be on the field. We're just glad to be here. M- listen to me, ministry, serving Jesus. America, listen to me. It's a privilege, not a right. It's a privilege. So anyway, let's talk about discipleship just a little bit more. So, so those of you who are, who are disciplers or want to be disciplers need to really consider how you're making room in your in – your, and this is to me. I'm, I'm saying – I'm preaching to myself. We've got to make room in our lives to be disciplers because if you're like me, your schedule's busy. But there isn't much more important than investing in other people's lives, like around the kitchen table type of time. So, so man, make room in your life. If you're a discipler, make sure that you're scheduling your life in advance so you can take advantage. You're like, well, I don't have anyone to disciple yet. Well, I know you haven't wanted to Christ yet, but you're about to, right? Because you know Jesus has already purchased that soul. So you just got to, like Jeremiah, by faith, he's bringing them. And, beloved, I do think the way things are going in our culture, if we hold fast to the faithful word as we've been taught, God will continue to bring folks. I mean, we're not going to have to go fishing very hard. The, the People are going to jump out of the water to get, to get a hold of the gospel. Have you not noticed that? How many of you noticed that? Like, I mean, I, let me, I could restate this. How many of you are actually actively witnessing? Because if you're actively sharing the gospel, you will notice people are way more open than they were a decade ago. They are more interested in hearing what you have to say. If your life is backing it up and you know the word of God and you're gracious and gentle and kind, there's people that actually want to hear what you got to say today because their world is rocked. They can't watch the news. Their norms are gone. All their institutions are crumbling around them. What are they looking for? They're looking for somebody who is grounded and settled and faithful and and not freaking out. Oh, who is that? That's you. Is it not? And so guess what? Man, the doors are open if you just take advantage, if we just take advantage of them. So we got to be able to disciple those people who come in because they need to learn the Word of God. They need to know what the Bible says. And our culture is ignorant of the Word of God. I mean, ever since 
see, Sam's almost 20. So for almost 20 years, you know, you guys have all lived it with me. I've, I've seen how it used to be you had to watch four, five, and nine. You had to watch, you had to watch, you know, Billy Graham, whether you liked it or not. You had to, you had to watch the Sunday morning church services. That's all you had, some of those old people. But ever since, like, for the last 20 years, you only get to watch what you want to watch. And there are many, many households in Cass County and Jackson County and Bates County and, and uh, wherever county you're from, Henry County, Miami County. I leave one out. Huh? Johnson County. Oh, we talk about Johnson County. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, Missouri. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> Equal opportunity offenders. <laughs> we got them from all counties here. All right, so. In, in all these counties, right, uh, there's there's all kinds of people who the, they have never streamed anything about Jesus into their world. They've intentionally stri- streamed all the athletic events they can, all the entertainment things, all the TikTok they can, whatever. But the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the surety of God's truth is not there. And And so when you talk to them, they don't know the gospel. They don't know about Jesus. And they're going to need to know. And they actually want to know, some of them, because God's already gone out and he's prepared it. And just like this field came to Jeremiah, you know what? God will bring people to you. That's what Earl Cross, who led me to Christ, said. He goes, Brian, I always said, man, thanks for taking time. He's like, dude, you were so ripe. Like, he just couldn't help but pick it, you know? I mean, I call that low-hanging fruit. In the last few weeks, I've seen a lot of low-hanging fruit. You know, Austin, he's getting ready to get married, brings his best man in. He's like, here you go. All I had to do was pluck, this guy gets saved. Amazing. And God is bringing, why is God bringing low-hanging fruit? Because he's bringing in a harvest. It's time to get the souls out while we can. Because time is of the essence. We don't want to get to, man, I think about that. You know, like Schindler's List, you get to the judgment seat of Christ and, and we look, or worse yet, the great white throne judgment. The perfect knowledge of what I could have been doing and what I wasn't doing. Watching people get cast in a lake of fire. Whew. So anyway, so maybe you need to complete D1. Uh, or consider one of our discipleship classes. Or, or maybe you need to make some time like myself to, to make sure that I can win people to Christ and I can teach people. Right? And so we, we organize our lives to be successful. We invest properly. And missions is an investment. I've already touched on, so I'm going to keep moving. Uh, but don't forget missions investments. I appreciate those of you who are planning to literally take the gospel uh, to our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so, by God's grace, we are going to need more people if we're going to go to Romania uh, the, the, the last week of April, first week of May. And we have the Oaxaca trip with the Hendricksmans. Uh, we got like one or two people signed up for that. We got Mammoth, uh, which is in the books, praise the Lord. Uh, Ray, Ray is over here. You can see Ray. We could use more people. You can't do too many people. Um, Dominican Republic, um, I saw a good sign-up and interest on that, so hopefully we can get some uh, leadership on that and get that going. And uh, and so uh, in Boston, it would be good to return to Boston and encourage Mike uh, this fall. So uh, so those are trips that you can pray about. And then lastly, I want to just touch on financial investment. Yes, I'm still hanging on that little point on your outline, so I'll get moving in a minute. But give financially, right? All the things... Uh, if it all if all these things seem like too much commitment, then just start with the basics, and that's your finances. That's the easy part, especially in our culture. 
uh, give financially. You know, I gave my, I mean, the first few dollars, I will just my own testimony. If you can't tell, I was a little reluctant to go all in uh, because I knew I was serious. I'm a serious kind of person, really. And so if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, right? So I was kind of reluctant to do a lot of things. But once I did it, I was all in. And giving was one of those things. And so I can remember in my old stinky high boy greasy clothes up at old McDonald's farm, E-I-E-I-O, I was up there listening to some dude preach. I think it was George Grace. And they finally passed the tin can. And I gave, first time I gave at church, and I gave, listen, willingly and cheerfully because of what I had heard and what God was doing in my life, and there just was not enough money in my pocket. I think I gave $11, something like that, which at the time, when you go, oh, that's nothing. It, you know what, when you're, when you're it's summer, between my, before my senior year, it's all I had. I made $3.60 an hour, that high boy. And that's all I had in my pocket. And that's all I gave. And so I gave it. And, uh, man, I tell you what, guys, it just like opened up a gate in my heart. And then from then on, man, I was first fruits of the increase. And, and I've been faithful to that ever since. I'm not saying that you should not compare yourselves with ourselves. But I just learned the principle of, of at least that. You know, my grandpa told me before I was even saved years ago, he says, if you saved... Ten cents of every dollar, you'll be a rich man. So you should save ten cents of every dollar. And he's actually right about that. And then I got saved. And, man, when I heard the principle of tithing, my grandpa's words came back to me. I'm like, ah, that's where he got that from. Well, let's not save that for me, right? Let's give that to the Lord and see what God will do. And so that's a good place to start. If you're needing to learn how to invest, you can do that, uh, you know, and from that time forward, God has, has given me personally a grace uh, to give obediently of uh, the first fruits, even when it's difficult, and, and that's what we do. So where your treasure is, this is the key, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This has nothing to do with church. You put your treasure in your bass boat, man, that's where, your, that's where it's going to be. You put, your, you put 50% of your income in your house, well, guess what? That's where your heart is. You know, A tree falls in on that roof, your heart's going to sink. Oh, man. You know, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And so where's your heart? Let me ask you that. Uh, you can tell by where your treasure is at. So uh, when you learn to give obediently to the Lord, the Lord will grow you in grace. And by the way, thank you, HBF, because God is being so gracious to us. Um, but, and God will bless you uh, with learning to give sacrificially. You can actually even grow in that beyond obedient giving to sacrificial giving. And so, uh, so don't deceive yourself or others by giving time and talent, uh, with and then withholding your treasure. Now you can do that. I don't. I'm. I'll, that's fine. But I'm saying that's not going to benefit. There's a benefit that you're lacking. I'm saying that out of love for you. It's not. By the way, I don't. I don't say that. We don't need your money. God will provide. So it's not about us trying to money grow. I was. Super, by the way, there's another thing I was super sensitive of when I got saved. I thought the church was all a bunch of used car salesmen trying to extort money from people. Um, but, uh, at any rate, God will provide. It's really about God blessing you. So that's an area that you really got to consider where your heart's at. As, as uh, Lance said, it's a spiritual matter. So, uh, tithing was something, uh, that we first saw, by the way, just doctrinally before the law in Genesis fourteen twenty. it means a 10th. And he gave a 10th of, of the, of the, uh, the wealth that he had accomplished from an incredible military campaign that he had, uh, he gave a tenth of it to, Mel- to Melchizedek. By the way, in lieu of receiving blessings from the world, he says, no, I, I don't need anything 
matter of fact, I'm going to give tithes from the booty here, the, what I got from this endeavor to Melchizedek. And, uh, and uh, that's all I need to do is, is honor God. And so it's a pattern in the law and a great guide to, to get us started in New Testament giving. Of course, um, God deserves all, but he's only asking for the first fruits. Unless you take literally what Romans chapter 12 says, which is a living sacrifice, right? Uh, and so we, he, he deserves all. But if you start there, that's a good place to start learning to give. Only you and God can work this out. But I recommend Paul's words to the Corinthians to guide you in a practical outworking of financial stewardship. And that's 2 Corinthians 9, 6. It says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. That goes with the gospel, that goes with finances, that goes with love, that goes with kindness, that goes with the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. So just use what the Bible says. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. It's a heart issue. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. It's about God's work. So point B. The evidence of your investment should be revealed to the world. In Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 13 through 15, it goes on to say, And I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these evidences, this evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed and that which is open. Uh, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. This whole transaction was about a time yet to come. He's like, hey, listen, things look bad now, but wait. I am going to redeem this property. The, the internal seal of God's investment in us, of course, is the Spirit of God. Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. It doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but when he appears, we're going to be like him. It's going to be incredible. We are to invest in hiding the word of God in our hearts. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Hey, man, if you think about what that says. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So when we sing, we sing to the Lord. In your car, you're singing to the Lord. Not just singing a song because it's catchy. You're singing that to the Lord. If we allow the Word of God to dwell in us richly, the light of Christ will be shining brightly to those who are in darkness. Second Corinthians 4, 3 guarantees that. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So it's about our hearts, right? And when we give to the Lord, man, it, it, it is like illuminating to the world in which we are ministering. So point C, the evidence of your investment should be sealed in your hearts. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 7, Paul says, Even as is meet for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my bonds and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. As we invest the word of God in the souls of men, our heart will be knit with those we invest the word of God with. There is just something supernatural about going to war together. When you go in and you come out together, and I'm talking about spiritually with the, well, you can do a physical war, but biblically it's the same thing. When you go out and you do ministry with people and you come back in, it knits your heart together. And there is an incredible 
seal uh, that happens in the heart, not just of you and the Word of God and the Holy Ghost, but of one another as we have that kind of interaction. We see Paul had the saints in his heart, as well as sinners, uh, of course, because he wanted to see them saved, but he had a special desire for the brethren uh, and his prayer for Israel. His Hebrew relatives was that they would be saved. He wanted the sinners saved. So he says, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel, Romans chapter 10, is that they might be saved. But when he writes to the Philippians, he says, I'm in bonds. I'm in bound. And yet you're in my heart. I'm connected to you. Beloved, this is a tight fellowship. Uh, And I don't mean just like literally our fellowship. But I mean, this is tight. What God does with the word of God in the souls of men. He creates an atmosphere for growth both spiritual growth, but also numerical growth, so that he can accomplish his mission. It's all about his ministry and his service. So point D, Jeremiah reminds God of his investment in Israel. In verses 16 through 25, Now when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch, he was described, by the way, the son of Neriah, I prayed unto the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm and there is nothing too hard for thee he proclaims there's nothing too hard for thee man hallelujah to you that's the theme beloved we, we continue in diligence and grow in faithfulness because there is nothing too hard for god nothing notice jeremiah starts with the, the statement nothing is too hard for thee in jeremiah thirty two seventeen. So you you showed mercy to Israel, God, in the past when they were in Egypt and and other times. This is what he's saying. Please show them mercy again. Watching Israel suffer and go into captivity, it was hard for Jeremiah. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. It'd be similar to you or I watching our nation get taken over by Chinese communists or radical Islam. It It would grieve you at your core. Jeremiah is similar to Abraham in, in that he has, has been obedient to purchase the property that's under the control of Nebuchadnezzar. Would God in his mercy purchase the people he intends to allow to go into captivity? Notice what it says in verse 18. Thou, thou showest loving kindness unto thousands and, and recompenses uh, the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name. Great in counsel and mighty in work. For thine eyes are open unto all the ways of the sons of men, to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings, which has set signs and wonders in heaven, in the land, I'm sorry, in the land of Egypt, even unto this day, and in Israel, and among other men, and has made thy name, uh, as at this day, and has brought forth thy people, Israel, out of the land of Egypt, with signs and with one, uh, with wonders, and with a strong hand, and with a stretched out arm, and with great, uh, terror. And hath given them this land which thou didst swear to their fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. And they came in and possessed it, but they obeyed not thy voice, neither walked in thy law. They uh, have done nothing of all that thou commandest them to do. Therefore thou hast caused all this evil to come upon them. Behold, the mounts, they are come into the city to take it. And the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans that fight against it because of the sword and of the famine. And of the pestilence, and what hast thou spoken? What thou hast spoken is come to pass, and behold, thou seest it. And thou hast said unto me, O Lord God, buy thee the field for money, and take witness, for the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. So he's kind of on a Debbie Downer. He says, Man, Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. I hope I hope you can redeem these folks, but you have allowed me in the midst of this difficulty to purchase this land. 
Nothing is too hard for you. You know, sometimes God has us on a need-to-know basis. We don't always know what's coming around the corner. He's a prophet, by the way. And this is especially true during times of transition and nations and dispensations. However, we often have not because we ask not. The best time we can spend in addition to investing, uh, uh, investing the word of God in the souls of men is spending time in prayer and intercession for the souls of men and the purposes of God's plan. Jeremiah was, was, was grieved at his core. He's being blessed while his people are being cursed. Now, God's going somewhere with this, but you're going to have to come back tonight or watch it online to hear the rest of it. But as, as we wrap up this morning, the point of investing, and Jeremiah was faithful to buy a field that was occupied by the army that he knows God has already told him is going to take his people into captivity. And he's bought the field in obedience. He's recorded it as a witness. And, of course, we know this end of the story is God will redeem it in his time. Perhaps the hardest yet simplest investment you can make in the kingdom of God, among all the things we've talked about today, we've talked about time and we've talked about talent. I mean, we've even talked about treasure. But let me just end this morning with this. Could you invest... And this is so crazy because it sounds simple, but it's harder than you think. It's harder for me than, than I would have ever thought. Could you invest sincere time in praying? Hence, sincere time in praying. I mean, consistent investment in fervent supplication. It's easier to give your money. I'm, I'm telling you. It's easier to give your time. It's easier to lend your talent. It's hard to clear your mind. And to focus on others other than yourself. And to take that to the Lord. Knowing that he is, knowing that he is the Lord. I'm not talking about just like throwing up a, a you know, the, the rosary. But entering his presence and saying, God... I know you exist. I exalt you. Thank you for you know, being who you are and just exalting his name, entering into his presence with praise and thanksgiving, and then going about the work, the priestly work. Jeremiah is from a priest class over there in Anathoth. You know what we just read was his prayer. Oh, Lord God, we know that your word is true. We know you'll fulfill your word. There's nothing too hard for you. You have... Put your people in the promised land and they have done nothing that you've told them to do. And you're bringing the wrath down just like you said. And man, if the story ends there, what a tragic ending. But God is the one who finishes the story. And we'll get to that tonight. And when he gets done, he says, is there nothing too hard for me? You know what God needs? He needs some praying people. The question isn't what's hard for God. The question is what's hard for us. Beloved, it's easy to steward this and steward that, but man, can we steward some prayer time? We get together every Sunday night to pray. It's important. I'm not saying if, I mean, not saying if you're not here, you're, you're not, but I'm just saying, when do you steward time to pray? When do you set aside time to pray? Pray. Pray. Let's pray.
Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, as we stand together in prayer this